The Old Testament reading for our celebration of the Nativity of our Lord comes from the prophet Isaiah, the fifth chapter, 52nd chapter. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who publishes peace, who brings good news of happiness, who publishes salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. The voice of your watchmen, they lift up their voice. Together they sing for joy. For eye to eye they see the return of the Lord to Zion. Break forth together into singing, you waste places of Jerusalem. For the Lord has comforted his people. He has redeemed Jerusalem. The Lord has bared his holy arm before the eyes of all the nations. And all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of our God. And this is the word of the Lord. To us a child is born, to us a son is given, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. Sing to the Lord a new song. The epistle reading comes from the letter to the Hebrews, the first chapter, beginning at the first verse. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. For to which of the angels did God ever say, You are my son, today I have begotten you. Or again, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. And again, when he brings the firstborn into the world, he says, Let all God's angels worship him. Of the angels, he says, he makes his angels winds and his ministers a flame of fire. But of the Son, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of uprightness is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. And you, Lord, laid the foundation of the earth in the beginning, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like a garment. Like a robe, you will roll them up. Like a garment, they will be changed. But you are the same, and your years will have no end. This is the word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel comes to us according to St. John, the first chapter. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light, that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. 
He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. This is the gospel of our Lord. Our text for our sermon this morning comes from the Gospel according to St. Luke, the second chapter. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. This is the word of the Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Peace on earth. That is a wonderful message that we hear so often this time of year. It's on Christmas cards, it's on decorations, it's on our bulletins, it's on our minds and in our songs. Peace on earth. Peace is one of the messages of Christmas. And peace is something that we so desperately need in this world. And it's so interesting how so often at Christmas time we can sort of put on a veneer of peace. We're all familiar with the account of the wars that stopped on Christmas Day and soldiers from opposing trenches came out and sang Silent Night together. We put aside our differences with our families in order to have some peace and get together and attempt some reconciliation. Peace. Is, all, is what Christmas seems to be all about. But when you look at that proclamation given by the angels, on earth, peace among those with whom God is pleased, it actually seems like a strange message. It's a little bit strange for the angels to appear to the shepherds and proclaim peace. Because when you think about that particular situation, There is really nothing peaceful going on at all. The shepherds are out in the field. It is night. The sheep have settled down finally. The shepherds are settling in, probably getting ready to lie down for some well-needed rest. And what happens to their night? Well, an angel of the Lord appears to them out of the blue, and the glory of the Lord shines all around them, and they are filled with fear. Not terribly peaceful, is it? The angels have come, and they are disrupting the lives and the livelihood of the shepherds. And think about this. If the shepherds were sore afraid, how do you think the sheep responded to this sight? There is nothing peaceful about a flock of sheep panicking. And the angels come, and not only do they scare the bejeepers out of the shepherds, They tell the shepherds, leave behind your flocks. Leave behind those sheep. 
That's basically their only source of income. If, while the shepherds take off to go see this thing that the angels have announced, if the flock takes off or gets attacked, what happens to the shepherds? Well, they're responsible. Their lives can be on the line. They are financially responsible for every one of those sheep. And if something happens while they're off on their little field trip to Bethlehem, it's on them. And then the angels direct them to a far less than peaceful situation. So often we think of Jesus' birth as this tranquil, serene situation. Cards always have pleasant-looking, wide-eyed animals standing in the back, looking on fondly. Clean golden straw is everywhere, usually a little bit of glitter as well to make everything sparkle. Mary and Joseph are looking angelic and well-rested. But if you know anything about anything, you know that the birth of a child is not a quiet and peaceful event. You know that barns are not nearly as pretty as Hallmark makes them out to be. And Mary and Joseph's particular situation, it was not peaceful in any way whatsoever. Essentially what we have is a young homeless family staying in a stable. The couple is either not married or barely married, but clearly the child is out of wedlock. And here they are, traveling. Traveling in order to be counted in a census so that they can be taxed a little bit higher. The child has nowhere better to be than a stinky old manger because nobody at the inn is willing to give up their room for this shameful couple. Do you think nobody knew that a birth was happening in the stable? Do you think the innkeeper was just like, "Eh, I'm sure they're probably fine? They knew, but they just weren't willing to give up a room. They were like, you brought this on yourself, you deal with it. And so no, there was no peace in the manger that evening. There was no peace in the lives of the shepherds as they were shocked by the angels and sent to go see this weird situation. So how in the world can the angels announce peace on earth to herald the arrival of Jesus when everything was ever so unpeaceful? Well, in that proclamation, the angels are not speaking about a worldly peace. And we know that. How many of us today feel absolute peace because it is Christmas? Or do we feel a little bit of stress? Feel a little bit worn down? Feel a little bit broken by the world around us? How many of us woke up this morning and said, It is December 25th, Jesus Christ has been born in the flesh, and so all my troubles are gone, and it's going to be a great day from now until forever? Of course not. We ourselves don't feel an earthly peace all the time at Christmas. And yet, we rejoice in that proclamation because there the angels announce true peace. The peace that may have been felt in that stable, that's going to fade. As the shepherds, they rejoiced. They were glad to see the Messiah. They knew what a thrill it was. But as they returned to their everyday life, With sheep, there will be more frustrations. There will be more trials. There will be more sorrows. 
As Mary and Joseph feel the joy of the birth of their firstborn son, knowing that he is the Messiah, knowing that he will indeed take away the sins of the world, including theirs, they are told, get up and flee to Egypt because Herod is going to try to murder your son. As that tiny baby grows, he becomes a person of controversy. He becomes hated and despised and ridiculed and mocked. He becomes someone that is very divisive, someone that they actually plot to murder and then carry out that plot. And so the peace that they may have felt for a brief moment on that Christmas day, the peace that we may feel for a brief moment, it doesn't last. But that's not what the angels were talking about. The peace proclaimed by the angels is everlasting And it is peace that we ourselves are given still today. Peace with God, because he has come to us. Not as our enemy, as we deserve. You know, honestly, the idea of God coming to us sinners should terrify us. Because God is by nature holy and righteous and perfect. Sin is not allowed within his presence. And so when his holiness, his splendor, his majesty says, I am coming to you, we should quake in fear because as sinners, we don't deserve to be there and we know that his majesty could destroy us. But God says that he comes to us in peace. He comes to take away that sin that separates us from him. He comes to give us an everlasting peace knowing that we are forgiven. We are given peace that this child is going to win through his unpeaceful death. That peace that Jesus wins for us in God, it will be purchased with a gruesome, bloody, and terrible death. Jesus Christ did not come just to be a cute baby who fills us with warm, fuzzy feelings once a year. Jesus came to suffer and to die, to pay the full and staggering penalty of your guilt, your sin, your transgressions. His brutal death on the cross was what was required to bring us the peace that the angels announced. And it's a death that he died willingly. Jesus Christ, God himself, by whom and through whom and for whom all things were made, humbled himself to take on our human flesh to suffer and die a death that should have been ours for all eternity in order to break those chains of death that bound us. He gave up his life, shed his holy and innocent blood to wash you of all of your guilt, to cover all of your sin, to proclaim you holy, innocent, and righteous in the eyes of God. He has come to give you peace. Peace that we will know in full. Not here in this world. Not on this Christmas day. Because here we will continue to struggle. Here we are going to be afflicted by sin. Here the things that we do and that others do are going to afflict us and affect us. And we will have problems and strife and contention and hatred and anger and frustration. We may not feel a whole lot of peace in this world. But even as we endure these things, there is peace. Knowing that God is with us and knowing that something far better awaits us. When Christ comes again to take us to be with him, 
we will know true peace. Being in his holy presence forever. Standing with angels and archangels and with all the company of heaven. Singing out God's praise forever. Basking in his glory. Seeing his glory and splendor with our own eyes. And being at his banqueting table forever. This is the joy of heaven that Jesus Christ came to bring us. And this is the peace that we will know. And yet, even now, we have peace in our troubles and in our trials. Knowing that our tears and our pains, they aren't going to last forever. Knowing that something far, far better awaits us. And knowing that whatever we might face in this broken and sinful world, God himself is here with us. Strengthening us. Lifting us up by his word. Renewing us with his holy sacraments. Refreshing us with his church. Giving us the peace that this world cannot give. The peace that surpasses all understanding. The peace of knowing that we have been forgiven of our sins. Peace on earth. Goodwill from God. On a rather unpeaceful night, in a very unpeaceful way, Jesus Christ has come that you may have peace. Not an earthly peace that is here today and gone tomorrow, but an eternal peace. Peace in knowing that God is with you. Peace in knowing that he himself carries you through all your troubles. Peace in knowing that you have been redeemed and reconciled by the atoning sacrifice of this tiny baby who lies in the manger. Jesus has come to bring you peace, and his peace is now yours. For by the cross of Jesus Christ alone, by his empty tomb alone, you are forgiven of every one of your sins, and eternal life in heaven is yours. To God alone be all glory, now and forever. Amen.